This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We're safe here. You know we are. But I was not sure. I did not believe in what I was saying. Nikki now put her face into Kevin's sweater, still crying and mumbling into it. It was impossible to understand what she was saying now. I was still sitting at the edge of the bed, also shaking, but trying to hide it. We were all really freaked out. There is a space between reality and fantasy between light and dark, between rational and irrational. In this space, there are stories. This story is called The Feeding. You belong here. Part 11. The Lake. We ate our dinner in silence. Nikki was still crying. Her tears streamed down her cheeks quietly, and we could hear her whimpering slightly while she ate. Kevin tapped his foot on the floor nervously, and I lost my appetite. We were all doing a terrible job of pretending that we were all okay. The wind outside picked up, and the branches of the thick woods were swaying back and forth in unison as if the forest had come alive again and was now talking to us, threatening us. The candles flickered and danced violently in the wind that was getting through the window cracks. The shadows of their flames fought each other on the walls of the cabin. The whole thing felt and looked eerie. Then, Nikki started mumbling quietly, her head down, staring at her empty plate. Hungry, wretched, scary beast. In the forest, in the mist. Kevin and I looked at each other, uneasy. Nikki kept going. You must feed it with your soul. While you're sleeping, it will grow. She was whispering now, We could still hear her. Stop it, Kevin said sternly. Nikki ignored him. She was now swaying back and forth, still whispering. It will stalk you in the dark. Watch for face without one mark. If you see it, be aware. It will drown you in your fear. Shut up! Kevin yelled and banged his hand hard on the table. He got up and walked off, his face angry and red. Nikki let out a small scream and stopped shaking and whispering. We both looked up at him. I need some answers, he said. 
You better stop crying and start talking. What the hell is this place? I, I told you, Nikki managed to get out. Hey, leave her alone, I protested. She's just as freaked out as we are. Kevin was pacing in front of the table now, looking at Nikki. Why did you have the crucifix? He asked. I completely forgot about the crucifix. Kevin pulled it out of his pocket and placed it on the table in front of Nikki. Nikki almost shrunk into her chair and pulled the sweater around herself tightly with both hands, as if trying to hide. Well, Kevin demanded loudly. Um, you see, she replied, I had to run out. Leave. She looked very embarrassed. The crucifix was just something to protect me, you know? What were you running from? Kevin continued interrogating her. I need to know what happened to you. Okay, okay, Nikki said defensively. I was the third person. There are always three. What are you talking about? Kevin stopped and looked at Nikki. When the darkness must be fed, there are three people. There was nobody else they could get, so... What are you talking about? I interjected. An image of Frank, the man that had chased me into the woods, came to mind. Would Nikki know him if I were to describe him to her? Each time we're short, the town chooses. We have to choose someone, or we are all in danger. This is bullshit, Kevin shot back and walked away. Do you really expect us to believe you? The cellar story, now this? He walked outside and slammed the door after him. I stood up and stared at Nikki. You don't believe me, do you? She asked quietly. People go missing all the time, you know? Not all are found. I did not know what to tell her. A part of me thought the whole thing was insane. On the other hand, there were things I had seen here and felt. It will get you, you know. Nikki continued. Maybe if I do it myself, it won't get me. What do you think? She looked up at me. By the candlelight, her features looked dark, hard to tell apart. Suddenly, her face was featureless, with a dark hole where her eyes and mouth should be. My imagination was getting the better of me. Will you do it with me? Maybe it won't get us then. I shuddered. What are you suggesting? Nikki did not respond. I did not want to stay there with her. I followed after Kevin. He was at the boat, patching it up, despite it being so dark. You can't even see what you're doing, I told him quietly. Go to bed, he told me. I won't be long. Do you need help? I asked him. Kevin did not respond, only shook his head.
I turned to go. Take Nikki up with you tonight, Kevin called after me. I don't want to hear another crazy seller story tomorrow. I nodded and turned to go. It was then that I heard a familiar sound, something I had heard before. I looked up and saw a dark bird on a branch, watching us. It looked very similar to the same one that I had followed, blindly, when I was lost in the woods. The bird made the same sound and flew off. Nikki did not protest when I led her to the little room upstairs and tucked her into bed, like a child. I was exhausted, like I always was in this cabin. Before I could give this day another thought, I was fast asleep. Hey, this is Chris from the Criminal Perspective Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast you're currently listening to on the Crawlspace Media Network, consider checking out Criminal Perspective. On Criminal Perspective, I take 11 years of my experience corresponding with notorious murderers and I bring it directly to you. At times, I'll give you interviews directly with the most heinous murderers imaginable, like Nico Klo, the Vampire of Paris. I read that I read that you found some cookies in his kitchen and you just sat there eating cookies, watching them squirm around and die. Yeah, it wasn't actual cookies. I think I, I think it was bread, just bread. But uh, yeah, yeah, I ate something. I just sat sat down on the corner and watched him die, basically. Other times, I'll bring you survivors of violent crime telling their harrowing tales themselves, like Shasta McLean, who survived being abducted by serial killer Joseph Duncan. After being at that campsite for like two, like a week or two, he had asked me how I wanted to die. He said because uh, I had to choose one or the other. It could either be quick or it could, or, you know, it could be the slow process. So he gave me the option of being strangled to death, where he gave me the option of being shot. So please check out Criminal Perspective on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are heard. Criminal Perspective is a cross-based media podcast. We find that in these times, everyone needs some time to chill out and relax. That's why we're excited to announce this week's sponsor, Boston Green Health. Boston Green Health is a local provider of CBD products that specializes in oils, topicals, gummies, and edibles. Boston Green Health's plant-based products can provide natural relief and rest for the mind, body, and soul. As one of New England's premier hemp-based companies, they offer a variety of all-natural CBD products that use a blend of locally sourced hemp extract. Visit bostongreenhealth.com for premium CBD oil, a delicious variety of CBD-infused gummies, luxurious handcrafted topicals, and a product line for pets. Podcast listeners can receive 20% off of any purchase by using the show code PI20. That's P-I-20. Boston Green Health takes pride in being New England's most trusted CBD brand. When I opened my eyes, it was dawn, yet still a bit dark. The candle was out, having burnt all night. I turned to find that Nikki was gone. I sat up in bed and looked around. Then, my heart stopped. There, in the corner where I saw the shadow only a few nights before, and where the footsteps started, Nikki was standing on the wall. Her body was twisted. She was on her hands and knees as if 
crawling up to the ceiling, following in the footsteps. I froze and stared, not daring to move. Was this really her? How was she able to crouch on the wall like that? Finally, I mustered enough courage to speak. Nikki? I said finally. Nikki, what are you doing? I was quivering, my heart beating wildly in my chest. My fear was almost paralyzing. Nikki climbed backwards off the wall, and when her feet hit the floor, she straightened out and stood like a normal person in the corner with her back to me. I didn't move. Nikki, I called again quietly. Are you okay? Of course she wasn't okay. (laughs) It was a stupid question to ask. She was just standing on the wall as if gravity never existed. But I really didn't know what else to say. My body was frozen by fear. Suddenly, she started walking backwards. She walked to the ledge of the floor, where the ladder was, and without hesitation, climbed down. As I saw her face... I noticed that her eyes were closed. She actually looked peaceful, like she was having a pleasant dream and didn't have one worry in her life. She kept climbing, and I slowly got out of bed, walking over to the ladder after her. I saw her pause at the bottom, then walk backwards to the cellar door. As scared as I was, I had to see what was going on, and my fear also prevented me from staying in that room. I followed her down, constantly turning my head to check what was behind me, anxious at what I might find. But every time I turned my head, I could see Nikki standing by the cellar door, not even moving with her eyes closed. Before I could reach the bottom, I heard a piercing cry. I jumped off the ladder and landed on the floor. Nikki was screaming at the top of her lungs, her eyes now open. She held both hands to her ears, as if blocking out the sound of her own screaming. Kevin jumped out of his bed at once. He looked around wildly, trying to comprehend what all the noise was. When he saw Nikki, he ran over to her and saw me standing by the ladder. What the fuck is happening? He screamed, his face worried and confused. I don't know, I screamed back. I don't know what to do. We stared at each other in panic, and suddenly, Nikki was gone. She ran out the door and headed away from the cabin. It all happened so fast that it took Kevin and I a moment to comprehend. We chased after her, calling her name, She headed for the lake and we followed. It was the first time that there was no thick fog hanging over the water. The lake was clear. And as I approached, I could see the water spread out like a giant mirror with the trees reflected in it. 
Nikki ran into the water full force, still screaming and disappearing in the immense mirror surface. Kevin was at the edge of the lake and ran in after her, the mirror receding under his feet. I was almost at the edge as he entered, running in at full speed, but then I saw him recoil, scream, and jump out. He was on his back, trying to get out of the lake, kicking at the water when I found him. What are you doing? Where's Nikki? I asked, breathing heavily after the run. What the? What, what is happening? Kevin managed to get out. I looked at him, and he was completely pale, staring at the lake. Where is Nikki? I asked again, and walked a bit into the water looking into the lake's translucent surface. With all the fog gone, I could see right to the very bottom. The water was so clear. I saw white, all white, at the bottom of it. It took me a minute to realize what all that white in the lake really was, and I fell. I collapsed and gasped for air. All bodies. Hundreds of human bodies, bloated and pale, were at the bottom of that lake. There were so many people, men and women, children, just floating in that clear water like one giant mass grave. All their eyes open, constantly staring and watching. They were watching us. This was not something anyone could have ever prepared me for. I slowly crawled backwards on my hands and feet, not able to fully get up, completely stunned, to where Kevin was sitting his head between his knees. I looked at Kevin, then at the lake again, trying to understand. I don't know if the boat will get through all these bodies, I said calmly, my mind in a complete daze. Then I turned away from where Kevin sat and vomited. On the next episode of The Feeding... In the bright sunlight, the trees no longer looked so sinister, and I was starting to feel optimistic. Then Kevin turned, and I saw just how disturbed he looked with his big, frightened eyes. I did not say anything, but he sure did remind me of someone at that moment, and my heart sank. But, of course, I knew it was Kevin, just him and no one else. We kept walking. Finally, we reached a clearing, and it looked promising. Could it be? Kevin walked faster, excited at the prospect of getting out of that place. We walked on and spotted something in the distance. Kevin and I exchanged happy glances and almost ran towards it. Thank you for listening to The Feeding a crawlspace media production of a pie rational story.
Narrated by Valerie Bogart. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.